Strategist Cowboy. Today I am reviewing one international or Mexican beer with one British or English lager beer. Our first contestant this week is called Base Camp Pils Lager from the brewery Four Pure Brewing. It's a craft beer as are all their standard 8 beer sorts, according to the brewery. A base camp pils lager costs 17 Swedish kronas, or about 2 US dollars. The brewery claims that this lager beer is vegan friendly. The beer has got a 4.7% ABV. This beer sort's bitterness level is 35 IBU. Nothing odd about that. It's pretty standard for a lager. The beer is brewed in the German Reinheitsgebot style. It thus only contains water, barley malt and hops. And yeast of course. The hops are of the Czech sort Saz and the German sort Mittelfrü. The beer is canned in a colourful, somewhat appealing orange can. The can is sized 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces bottle. Interesting to note their views in the bottles versus cans battle. To quote the brewery's website. Early in 2014, we were the very first UK-based craft brewery to can their full core range. Customers, customers expect their beer to be fresh and flavorful, and we believe that cans, with their protection from light and superior seal, combined with lower envir environmental impact, help us to get them the beer in the best possible condition. End quote. Okay. I am not arguing that cans have a superior seal and better protection against sunlight. But really, what private person stores their beer stash, beer stash exposed to sunlight? Well, um, I do, sometimes, because I have a bunch of low ABV Yule beers on my kitchen sink. Beers which I haven't got around to drink yet. So there, I'm the exception. But what grocery store lets their beer sortiment get exposed to sunlight? I also think that bottles are quite adequate in keeping the beer's carbonation level over longer periods of time, such as within the best before date and even past that. Cans may be better for this, but it is of little actual value since there is a shorter expiration date on most beers. And then there is the matter of the cans emitting taste to its beer content, which some people and even whole nations' populations argue it does. Without providing any proof for it, of course. 
And herein is where the arguing is all about. The Basecamp Pils Lager is said by Sustainblaget to best be served at 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about preferred serving temperature. How about the experience then? It's got a yeasty smell, aroma. Very yeasty aroma. It's yellow light. And it got, it got a two fingers head about. Okay, the taste of this beer. It's very good, I like it. It's sweet, a little bit. At least I think, because it's smooth. Maybe that's it. It's... Uh, For a um, 4.7% uh, beer, this is rich. Smooth, it, it's just like honey. A little bread-like, yeah, bread-like. Unjeasty, as I said. Taste on my palate, uh, let's see. It's not very bitter, but uh, the, the taste of my palate is the same as in the mouth, as a whole. Uh, maybe it's not sweet, maybe it's just smooth. It's like honey in my mouth in my throat it's not candy like I don't think so it's not very bitter as I said and it's a uh, fruitiness let's see I think that there might be some lemon taste in it, perhaps. Not much, if it is. Not very much. 
spices. Perhaps some peppery spices, perhaps. The undertone, it's... Um, I, I, I wish this beer had a little bit more of bitterness, but it's got a 35, wasn't it 35? Bitterness, uh, yeah, 35 IBU, that's not, not, not very little, absolutely not, it's pretty much. But I, uh, yeah. There's something I need in it. But what? Alcohol. <laughs> I think so, because it would have been much better with a little bit higher ABV in. It would have been really good if it had a little bit higher ABV. Uh, the carbonation level. Not very high. And it's not... Um, It's not creamy, but it's smooth. So um, maybe, maybe you could call that creamy if you wish to. Smooth, it can be interpreted as creamy. But I don't think it is. Uh, mostly stouts are creamy and um, porters perhaps. Uh, no stouts. But um, it's not acidic and there are no aberrations. And the aftertaste is... The aftertaste is not very much of anything, except beer. Not very... I mean, it's bitter, but it still isn't fulfilling. I mean, satisfying in a real way. It's not, it's not watery in any way. But it should have a little bit more alcohol, like yeah, 0.7% more at least. It would have been good. Okay, what about grading then? I'm, I'm sensing, sensing um, the bitterness a little bit more now. But what about grading then? I sense, uh, I, I think this beer will, I will grade it. Uh, Seven uh, devils out of ten possible. Yes. That's what I graded. Our next contestant is the Mexican beer Cerveza Negra Modelo. A beer sort from the country of international brewing. The brewery Grupo Modelo has seen 
has seven brewing plants in Mexico with a total annual installed capacity of 60 million hectoliters and one hectoliter is the same as 100, 100 liters and this equivalent to about 26.5 gallons. The breweries together have more than 40,000 employed workers so it is not exactly a small brewery and, and the beer certainly isn't a craft beer like the former reviewed lager but it is a darker beer otherwise it wouldn't have been called Negra and as such it has certain advantages over the former reviewed craft beer sort. I'm thinking that this beer has the possibility to have a fuller body because it is darker and most certainly has a taller head or beard when poured. It also has a 0.7% higher ABV than the former reviewed lager and that is also an advantage in any contest since the higher le ABV level can enhance the flavor in the beer except sometimes to a certain extent a lower ABV beer can have a surprisingly full body I'm thinking under 5% ABV A Negra Modelo beer also costs 17 Swedish kronas or about 2 US dollars. The beer has got a 5.4% ABV. It contains water and malted barley and almost certainly hops and yeast, even though the brewery never states this on their product or on their website. The beer is bottled in a size 35.5 centiliters, i.e. 12 liquid ounces, kind of unique looking chubby bottle. This size container is standard in the, on the American continent, at least in the US. Negra Modelo is said by Sustainable to best be served at 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about preferred serving temperature. How about the experience then? Smells like food sweat, like many beers do. It's got about a two fingers head. So it's uh, the same as the former beer. And that was not a dark beer. So uh, it's uh, amber brownish in color. I think, yeah. I can see my fingers through the glass, so it's not so dark. But I, I can't see uh, my fingerprints or more than the uh, figure of my fingers. Color aroma and foam I've covered. Taste. 
nothing special. It's not very rich. Actually, the former beer was richer, even though it had a lower ABV. Like, uh, um, much lower, R pretty much lower, 4.7%, wasn't it? And this one is 0.7% uh, higher. So much and much, but uh, lower. This one is... Uh, Not very satisfying so it's not rich is it bread like no I don't think so it's not yeasty either I wouldn't say taste on my palate If dark was a taste, it would have tasted like this, a little bit dark, not very much. This is not a stout or a porter. It's not. It's just a darker lager beer. It's not sweet. I wouldn't say so, but it's not very bitter either. And it's not candy-like, and there's no fruitiness in it. If there are any spices, I don't notice them. And the undertone is uh, not very much. Carbonation level. Well, we'll see in a minute if I burp or not. That's the best indicator for carbonation level. And it's not creamy, but it's not acidic and there are no aberrations I can notice. Okay, so uh, carbonation level and aftertaste in a minute. Actually, um, the carbonation level is a little bit higher than normal perhaps. It is, and the aftertaste is, um, I'm not sure, but I think that fad is a word in English. Fad is a word in Swedish. So I think it's the same, but that's what I feel. I think it is. Not very much uh, to hang in the Christmas tree, anyway, as we say in Sweden. I'm not very satisfied with this beer. 
Okay, what about grading then? I grade this beer uh, four debits out of ten possible. So not the normal eight today either, perhaps I should say. But uh, yeah. Four debits out of ten possibly. It's a it's a dozen beer as we would call in Sweden. A dozen beer. Like a Dusinel. That means um, it it's plen there there are plenty of them. I mean there it's uh, the the market is flowing over by from from these cans of uh, uh, high production beers. Uh, the breweries are too big to make good beers perhaps but there are exceptions like german beers can be very good even though they though they are uh, pretty big large com companies i i actually uh, appreciate german beers much more now these days than i used to i used to grade it below or average or be exactly like the danish beers but the danish beer has um, they have um, lost my interest i lost my interest in them they I, I i feel nauseous when i drink danish beers because of the syrup in it so i prefer german beers but this is a mexican beer and it's not very good four devils out of ten possible it's uh, below average uh, it's even much below average if you compare it with the sustainable it's many beers because they they generally not always keep a high standard on their beers they b b buy in, but they sometimes uh, for political reasons I guess buy some uh, shit beers uh, that uh, nobody wants to drink if they knew what beers could taste like. But some people uh, just drink for the alcohol content and not nothing else. And uh, that's what the Danes have been accused of Swedes of doing. In the past but we're changing and uh, well yeah okay absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines military or civilian drink responsibly or not at all don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant This week's lesson is called The Abysmal Gap. The abysmal gap between military geostrategists' views on the world as being a battlefield over strategic hotspots, straits, sea routes, military bases and commodity assets versus diplomats' view of geostrategy as a frictional meeting between headstrong dynamic people is probably the reason for the existence of military attaché officials who combine the best of both worlds. Military attachés are usually younger and always low in rank. 
I can only assume it is the diplomats who rule in the House of Diplomats. They shouldn't be so scared of professionals. There is thus a difference between geostrategy, military thinking, and geopolitics, diplomatic thinking. Geopolitics revolves around economics and policies. Geostrategy is inviteable facts. Who has what and where, and who wins a conflict with this what? Geopolitics also involve commodities and, to some extent, natural resources. Geostrategy involves natural resources and where they are at. But there is no absolute division between the two different fields of strategy. Almost any fool can conduct geopolitical work. But conducting the work of a geostrategic task is often a privilege for a few brief men, often high-ranking militaries, government leaders and industrialists within a closed circle of people. Nothing is initiated by chance at the top level. On the other hand, the intentions of others and decisive events often gets randomized in crazy interactions. It is enough that only one party is aware that they have a geostrategic superiority. If they do, then it is possible for them to go out and make geopolitics of it. A fog of war is usually created by the protagonists at selected occasions in any given conflict. But sooner or later the conflict will return to the origin of the conflict, the geostrategy, i.e. the strategic hotspots and natural resources. There is no way to tell which is more influential. I guess you could say in the short run it is geopolitics and in the long run it is geostrategy, but that is a truth with modification. Look at the start of the First World War. It was a continued power struggle between nations, but it started suddenly with a single fired gun against Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo. Then look at the start of the Second World War. It was conducted from the state of Germany on the highest level and was foreseeable. Everybody does not agree with me about what makes up a geostrategical task and what makes up a geopolitical task. Some wouldn't have even separate the two into dual significations. This is my definition. And today's homework is a question. How would you define geopolitics and geostrategy? Are they the same? Thank you. And see you later, alligator, at a while, crocodile. Oh, thank you.